Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. HarpenOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. Right about now, I'm meant to be doing a podcast looking forward to Leinster's trip to Hanethli to play the Scarlets, but alas, that is not to be. So instead, I've enlisted some contributors to a project I call Retro Rugby, where we look back over great contests from years gone by. The idea is not just to go over the match in question, but also to see how the rugby world stood at the time. If you look back in the podcast feed, you will see we have already featured six matches so far, including Australia v Ireland in 2011, Leicester v Leinster 2009, and All Blacks v Lions from 2017. You may also notice a new feature we've added to Harpen on Rugby. It's called the Pod of Three. Be sure and check it out. For the seventh installment of the series, I was joined by Connor Cronin to talk about that crazy England v France match at Twickenham at the end of the 2015 Six Nations. Though first, we pay a quick tribute to the Leinster and Ireland career of Fergus McFadden. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Now it's time for the sixth in our hopefully not too long running series of retro rugby pods to fill the COVID-19 void. And joining me to talk all about the England v France match at the 2015 Six Nations, making his fifth overall appearance on the pod, is died in the Will Leinster fan and season ticket holder Connor Cronin. Welcome, sir. Thanks very much for having me back. No problem at all. No. Well, we're here to talk about um, a match from um, years gone by and latest in the series, but it'd be kind of remiss of me uh, running a Leinster in Ireland podcast uh, without mentioning um, the unfortunate recent retirement of Mr. Fergus McFadden. Um, so we'll talk, we'll chat a bit about him first. What did you make of his career? I think Fergus had a great career. Yeah, it's been, he's won a lot in his career. He's been involved in squads that have won Six Nations and uh, Heineken Cups and Challenge Cups. And he's been a great servant for Leinster to have because he always had that ability to take the step up to the international, uh, to the international setup. But sometimes would miss out because he'd be there'd be somebody with a good run of form just getting in ahead of him but it was great because you could bring him back into Leinster he'd be playing for us and scoring tries and being a great defender and I think it just you could see that it meant so much to him because Leinster put up a post the other day of Ferg celebrating tries and you, you can just see it in how passionate he is in uh, in getting the score and how much it meant to him to be adding value to that group of players. And he's had a really long career as well. It feels like he's been around forever. Um, I think 2007? Yeah, yeah the first, uh, yeah, he, he made his, he made a couple of um, appearances the 2007-8 season. Uh, he first, his first full game for Leinster, I remember it was the first year I was doing Harping on Rugby, actually. It was, um, it, was at okay. the, it was at the RDS against the, the Dragons, I think it was. And um, I remember I was, in my write-up, I was I was moaning about the match because we didn't get the bonus point. But the two names I point I, I did, did stand out were these two young up-and-coming players called Fergus McFadden and Sean O'Brien. Uh, that, that, that that's one thing that stood. I was moaning about everyone, Sexton, the whole team, um, from from that night. But uh, I remember McFadden did did stand out. Yeah, that was two thousand and eight. And there were two young fellas who wanted to put their hand up and say, "I, I want to be here. I want to be playing." And, and and look at all the things he's done since with international caps, international tries, as I say, Heineken Cups, Challenge Cup, Pro 12 and 14 titles. Mm-hmm. He's had a great, great career with Leinster. I really hope that we can get some rugby back before the end of August and he gets a final game. 
because he deserves one for, for all he's put in. Yeah. Yeah. The wording of his retirement message, he says he's going to retire at the end of the 2019-20 the season, which means that um, if they do come back and finish like even a one game off, he'll obviously resume training and continue to play like, you know, for the duration of those matches and put his hand up for selection for the Champions Cup as well. It, you know, it, assuming that's going to be finished. Mm -hmm. So, so that's good. Yeah. Like you say, it'd be great, great for him to get a final match, but um, it's, you know, yeah, it's a shame that, um, like you say, he, he was always with injuries and with other players ahead of him. He was unlucky. It's one of the things about rugby um, in particular uh, that, because you know, if, if you compare it to something like the NFL, if Fergus was a was an NFL player, he you know where there's no international teams, he would definitely be yeah. one of the top players at one of the franchises. You know what I mean? He would he would have had a. He, I'm not saying he didn't have a great career, but because the top level is the franchises, he would have found one where he would have been a real star. He would have been one of the top names. And um, you know, when it came to but with, with test with rugby with the test rugby element. It, when you come up, it doesn't necessarily mean if there's someone else maybe a little better than you or maybe a bit more lucky with injuries or just, you know, just got that bit more luck, they, they'll end up with more caps. And um, and, and when he came up at Leinster, he, he started in the center, mm -hmm. but that's around. But then you had Gordon Darcy there. You know, that was kind of um, Darcy and Dricko were kind of settled there. So he moved out to the wing. But then, um, then he moved out to the wing. But then there was other players always coming up, like right in more recent years, you Jordan Larmer, you James Lowe coming in at Leinster. You know, there's loads of other names um, uh, coming up around him. So he was always there. And when you look at his numbers, 184 Leinster caps, 29 tries, 34 caps for Ireland, 10 tries. Who wouldn't want that on their records? That's a good return. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, I mean, yeah. that's that's amazing. And, and keep but, in mind that you can add into that penalties, conversions. And possibly a drop goal, but yep. not overly wrong. Because uh, yeah. uh, like, it, it was one of the great things about him, that if you had a moment where Sexton's been hit late or something and tries been scored anyway, and it was all right, because you knew if needs be, someone like Ferg could step up and take the conversion or take the penalty or whatever it was. And he, he'd a funny old run up, but... Uh, it was pretty mm. consistent with the boot. Definitely, yeah. He, um, he, yeah. He had a lot of a, a lot of assets to him. I think I, I would have liked to have seen him play a lot more in the centre if he could have gotten the chance. But again, um, you know, if he even if when when Darcy retired, sure, we had Robbie Henshaw coming in, mm. and um, it was just there, there. There just was never um, never a spot for him to play more in there because he 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 like you say he had that kind of passion. You saw it in his celebrations, but he you could tell he always wanted to get a lot more involved in the game. And I think if he could have played a more central position for longer, he could have, you know, he could have really done well. But again, you're in a team like Leinster, and um, you, you know, fair play and fair play to him. I'm sure he might, I'm sure he might have had offers when his contracts were coming up, or he had a few people sniffing around, maybe going abroad. And but he's he stuck at it and he stayed with it. And like you say, those are those are more than decent numbers to to, to have any kind of a career with. I say I'll, I'll be sad to see him go because I. I don't know about any other fan but he's certainly a fan favorite here definitely definitely well uh, we wish we wish him all the best and like you say we hopefully hopefully he gets a good uh, he gets a chance to get a good send-off at the you know at the rds or the aviva or some or some stage like that okay well that's grand um so now on to our main um our main our main topic this evening and um, we're we're this is the first one that doesn't really involve directly Leinster, Ireland, or the Lions uh, we've done up to now, but um, it does definitely indirectly involve Ireland. 
Um, this is a match from the um, 2015 Six Nations. It was the final match on the Super Saturday, the, the final round of games. And it was uh, England against France. And um, well, I mean, <laughs> where, where do you even start? It was, uh, I mean, I, just, I just an overall view. It was quite a match. At, at the beginning of that day, because the day was set up to be brilliant. Um, Wales went to Italy and 61-20 was the final score there. Mm -hmm. Then Ireland knew they had to win in the afternoon kickoff and went out and scored 40 points against Scotland in Murrayfield uh, to win 40 points to 10. And that meant that going into that game, and England knew, England knew they needed to win by 26 points or more against France, which was always going to be a big ask. You know, in their heads, they're going in and saying, okay, this is, this is our target. We just have to keep the scoreboard ticking over and let's see let's see how we can do and the thing about france was that even though they weren't in contention for the title when the match kicked off they um they had had a championship where as under philippe saint andre they'd, uh, they'd they'd only scored four tries in their four matches but then they'd only conceded two yeah. in those matches and uh, so that they were defense were their thing and th this is the this is the point about this match that always gets me because wa watching it back I, I wasn't thinking at the time because it's like you and I, we would have been just watching to see what the margin is because it related to Ireland winning the championship. But when you watch this game, you, you look at the final score, you know, it's not a spoiler, it was 55 35. Mm -hmm. You go, oh, geez, that's a high scoring match. That's like a super rugby match where like defense is just an option, you know. And uh, but the fact yeah. of the matter was, is that it, that's not the case with this match. It wasn't that the defenses were, were, were shite. They were putting a lot of pressure on the, the offenses were of, really good on the day. Yeah, and they were they were the defenses also were forcing um, mistakes, and it was capitalizing on those mistakes that led to a lot of the tries. Yeah, it was more a case of broken broken rugby rather than structured rugby to create the tries. But that just a moment of they aren't set up. There's a gap. Go, and and that's what was scoring um, certainly a couple of the French tries. You know, they just they were just running them in ridiculous distances yeah it was it was really uh it was just a it's just an incredible 80 minutes to watch and uh, i mean even like for for it was an emotional roller coaster for us at the time but uh, yeah. even watching it back now i mean i mean go, going into the match like england they didn't have owen farrell he, he was injured for playing for saracens against claremont and he actually missed it pretty much he missed the whole yeah. six nations i think and uh, there was so there was that for england it was, it was a Nigel big loss for them because if you watch the game back and, and the BBC commentary just kept commenting on how England's kicking game just wasn't great. Mm. Um, I think if they'd had him, it could have been a different result. Absolutely. He, um, yeah, it was, it was the, the decision making and the well, the overall accuracy as well um, yeah. might have might, been different. Yeah, there, there was a bit of that lacking. All right. And um, there's just another point was that what, you know the way they they announced the the referees way in advance it was actually supposed to be steve walsh for this match but he in the in the time since he'd been appointed he retired so nigel owens had stepped in so uh, that was that 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 was an interesting nigel change was, as well uh, going in nigel was on great form for that game because you know it was one of those games where it's like you know i'm in charge here lads don't you you know <laughs> I, i'm i'm not taking your nonsense yeah, that, yeah. The moment and, where and there was a lot of nonsense 
Christopher, this is the end of the conversation. <laughs> he says to, to Chris Robshaw. I think I think Robshaw is probably still arguing about that about a few of those decisions at the moment. But uh, yeah. I suppose being 2015, he went on to make a couple of dodgy ones himself later in the year. But we'll leave that to a different uh, a different podcast. Um, yeah. So going into the match, like you say, they, they needed a 26 point victory. So that was what everyone was really looking at. I mean, that's all that really. It's it's really unusual situation to have two teams playing on the match but another team um you know heavily uh, invested in what's going on you know it was uh, another it was a mad, mad position dictating how the match needed to go yep and um from the kickoff you could tell you could really tell which side uh needed it more yeah England were just all about trying to put pressure on as quick as they could and as early as they could and get the scoreboard ticking over fast. Yeah, they. I mean, literally, literally from the kickoff, it was the defensive pressure that kind of forced forced a mistake, and it was in that it was always going to be that crucial transition period where where you'd have to make the most of it, and you just had. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Plisson was trying to move the ball around at midfield, but he was just he was he was put under pressure. Um, it was picked up, I think, with Joseph and just quick passes to Brown, Ford, and then Ben Youngs, uh, who went on to be man of the match. Um, he 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 got the he got the very first try, and uh, and that was over and it was over towards the touchline as well. And this conversion Ford slotted no problem. So it looked like um, it looked like it was it was a really good start for them, you know. It was a great start. You know, they're, they're looking and saying, there we are, lads, exactly what we needed. As quick as we needed it, let's keep going. And you think, w watching the way, because it was, it was, as I say, a sort of broken ball, uh, bro broken rugby, um, where, as I say, police on throwing the ball to God knows who, why. And then suddenly it's all, it's all changing. It's all fast and it's all quick pace move the ball out and there's that first try and, and the heads went up immediately there's confidence they also they won a couple of penalties at scrums they were they just those first five six seven minutes they were just in complete ascendancy and as Irish fans, I think we're looking at it like, well, okay, we're screwed. France, France have nothing invested in this game. You know, French, French are proud. They never want to lose, especially somewhere like Twickenham. But um, you think the England definitely want this more. Their tails are up. They're, they've got the crowd behind them. They got chariots blaring out all over the place. Um, you're looking and you're saying, oh, it's this France that showed up. Yes, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. we're never sure which France will, and we thought it would be that France. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing about the thing about the, that uh, French uh, cliche is that you, it's not only that you never know which France is going to show up. I mean, that doesn't mean from one match to another. That could be within the same game. You, know, you can have one French team yeah. in the first. I mean, look at the look at the, even the last World Cup. Look at the, the France in the first half against Wales, and then in the second half. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just completely different. It can change within a match, and that's exactly what happened here. But the, the, it was it was their defending that that was kind of almost keeping the minutes. You got Dusatoir, um, you know, uh, and Goujon at the breakdown. You know, there was a big battle there. Robshaw on the other side and uh, Haskell. Keep in mind, that's the championship where Haskell slammed the post. And for anyone mm -hmm. who hasn't seen that on YouTube, you need to look up James Haskell hitting the post. <laughs> <laughs> Just powering into it and forgetting to, to score a try. Um, so, you know, he, he was out to, with, with stuff to prove. It's like, you know, okay, I made a stupid mistake. But don't worry, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm bringing the big guns today. They, they had a great game between them, himself and, and Rob Shaw. They were really, really strong showing back in. Definitely, yeah, it was one of the best. Yeah, it was one of the best performances by 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 the pair of them for England, all right. And um, but the thing is, is that for all the uh, early um, 
pressure from England, uh, like France just got themselves back into it. And they, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't let the heads drop. And uh, before we knew it, I mean, you know, by the, by the, by the end of the first quarter, they're actually ahead 15, seven. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, they were barely ahead because Mm. Nakatasi, that second try and, and all you can think is put the ball down, put the ball down. Oh God, he didn't Mm. put the ball down. Why haven't you put the ball down? (laughs) Ben Youngs, who came powering into him from, he presumes nowhere. Um, He's been tracking the whole time, and the, the TMO said he has grounded the ball immediately before his foot has crossed the dead ball line. So he's barely got the try for the second one. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter how barely it was or wasn't. There it is, 15-7 as you say. He, um, he, ne- he nearly dropped it as well. It was just yeah. like, it was crazy. It was just, uh, you're like, what are you doing, man? You know, it was, um, it, you know, he, he did that just to get a little bit of extra to make the conversion easier. But he just, he wasn't wasn't even thinking about what he was doing. But listen, hey, he got it. Like, you know, yeah. the, the try before that was a full-on sprint from Teal Board uh, from his 22 all the way all the way in. Again, making the, taking advantage of a big hit by I think it was Flankhart. Good, took mm-hmm. a big hit, big hit on Youngs and, um, and Teal Board picked it up and, and ran the rest of the way. Yeah. And uh, it was like a sevens try almost. Yeah, it, it's another one of those force the mistake and capitalize and the same can be said for their second try that um a bit of kick tennis was happening and whatever way it landed for spedding he said right i'm running and then he ran chip over the top whoever was supposed to be coming in to cover him missed him so he got the extra couple of yards and then it was just quick ball fast recycled ball out wide and over goes Nakatasi. 20 minutes in and it's already a crazy game. And um, and of course you had Plisson missing a couple of place kicks. Well, Ford actually missed one as well early on, but then Plisson was was putting, um, you know, he was Plisson kicking. Was missing he them was, to just make missing. the Irish worried and convinced them. That's it. Oh, absolutely. That stage, he, he, missed, uh, he missed two penalties and a conversion within 20 minutes. So the score had gone, it was, uh, it went from 7-0 to England to 7-15. But then before like another 10 minutes had gone by, it was 20, it was 20, by the half time, it was 27, 15 to England. It was all England scores. You had Watson. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a Ben Young's break. Got all the way to the 22 after Dan Cole had won a turnover at midfield. Yeah. Uh, got it to Ford and then Haskell uh, offloaded to Watson, got the try. Haskell, they who were looked checking. like he's knocked his arm just before, but it's actually yeah. a French player is trying to get a hold of it. It's bounced off Haskell's knee, then hits the French player, putting everybody on side. So then Joseph could pick it up, give it back to Haskell, and out to Watson and into tries. Um, yeah, it was, and another amazing kick by Ford from the touchline as well. It was, yeah. uh, he he. It was one of those games where you you have to you have to categorize your praise of his kicking. You, you've seen a lot of these from from Outhouse as well, like they. they Brian Moore was was giving him an awful stick for kicking, but it was more of it from his choices in play. But there were, he did do some really good ones during the match, and then, and uh, that was uh, th- that was that was a key one there. It definitely is. His place kicking deserves a lot of credit uh, yeah. for that particular game. Put that put them back in the lead, 
and then again you're talking about um just the need to keep the keep the pace going of the match because they're chasing a margin um france get pinged at a breakdown being off their feet and uh, mike brown just gets gets the ball taps and goes uh starts the things going and then you've got ben young's in again for a second try right under the post yep um, and that quick tap happening before it it's like oh he's given a penalty what's it oh god it's gone I know. And suddenly, no time to think about what's happened. The try has gone in. End of discussion. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't take your eyes off the match for a second. And um, and then right at the very end of the half, got a penalty just to stretch it out a little more. And it was twenty seven fifteen going into the break. So the twenty six point margin was definitely on at halftime. There's no. You also wonder if have we seen everything we we've, we've seen from the French now at that stage? Yeah, and, and again, you're wondering, are, are they here? Are they not here? Are they, what are they going to do? You know, they ran into really nice tries there, but is that them just saying, oh yeah, we can score tries. I know we haven't scored many so far, but sure, there's there's 50% more than we've scored up to this point in the competition. So I hope that does you all and see you later. And the way, and you know, if we thought that first half was uh, was crazy. The second half, I mean, I'm just left looking over this now. Every score, the scores for the rest of this game go back and forth. There's a French score, then an English score, French score, then an English score. All and uh, of course, some are penalties and some are tries. But the, so the margin is going up and down and all over the place. It's uh, yeah. it's it's amazing. Like the French French came out fair play to them. They f came out um, ready to play. Um, they got a try. Um, great offload from Guerrado. I mean, this was uh, this was yeah. amazing stuff. He's really good in that kind of uh he, he showed himself defensively since he became captain uh when he was captain for those years um but he also he was kind of a kind of like a dane coles kind of um forward to be out in the wider channels and uh doing little offloads and all this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. uh he really, really set up tries right. really hard to be yes exactly <laughs> aspires um and so that that narrowed the margin down to five but then uh, Ben Young's again. I mean, this is this could be his best ever game for England. I was thinking when I was watching it because I remember more recently yeah. his performances haven't been that great um, for England. But um, uh, he was he was just amazing, and it, it, his best thing was uh, his little snipes. There'd be a breakdown in midfield, and uh, he, you'd expect it the forwards, but he kept the French defense honest by doing these little show and goes, and just he they got acres of space getting them deep into the French half. And um, this one here, he had he had Ford with him in support, and uh, then all of a sudden England were back in front again. That was a really nice break. He, he's just he's timed it really well. He sold the defender into starting to lean out. The defender's losing his balance, trying to turn himself around. While Ford, while Youngs goes through the gap, um, he just he had the legs to keep up pace and not quite to finish it himself. I think he might have deserved to finish it himself, but uh, good a good tracking defence was getting to him. But as you say, the support there, and there it is, thirty-four twenty-two. Definitely, and um, and right after this try, a very significant thing happened. Uh, Rory Cockett came on the pitch. South African-born Frenchman. Yes, indeed. To, to, to join the other one who was playing fullback. And Spedding actually didn't didn't have that bad a game himself either. Like, you know, um, it was... I, I think he was definitely one of the better players for France. He, he was... He had a couple of mistakes that would, you know, if, if you were scoring him out of 10, would have pulled his mark down a bit. Mm. But he was really working hard. And yeah. I mean, in a game where... In a game where the, um, the the focus was on accuracy and where, where you'd marked George Ford down 
um, in his kicking was in the kick tennis. And a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, fell a bit short and they're a bit easy to, to field or, or even take a quick line out. But, you know, he'd be the one to capitalize in most of those situations. And he got France, France back on the front foot more off, more than once, you know. Um, and there's one of the later, one of the later tries is as a result of him, little kick chase and powering through, um, having, having done it already in the first half and, and doing it again then in the second. Yep. And um, Cockett's uh, first uh, real contribution was it was a kick when he he took over the kicking duties, and um, he didn't do that great himself with the first one, but it did go in off the post. Um, off so the that, post that do. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed, we were we certainly weren't complaining, and uh, that put the margin at nine points. Now at this stage, the the amount of points for each team doesn't really matter. It's just the difference between them. All we see, all we as Ireland fans were just seeing is okay. It's nine now. It's nine. Nine is good. They need they need another um, what is it seventeen or whatever, and um, but then just just about a minute later, um, with the penalty advantage, you had Youngs Ford Noel combination. There was another try. It was just uh, another one for another one forced by um, by a big hit. This time it was Courtney Laws uh, uh, taking down Spedding, uh, forcing a turnover, and uh, they just ran it in, and that, the leads all of a sudden back at sixteen. It, it was something Courtney Laws was just has been exceptional at throughout his career is timing a tackle and being committed enough that the, it can't be a penalty. He was committed. He's he's making the tackle. Yes, the ball might not still be there, but <laughs> um, I, I need a couple of those in this game. Big, big monster hits that leave players down and hurting and it's one less player to defend or an easier turnover because while he's holding the ball and he's down, and trying to catch his breath properly, it's much easier to poach it off him. Definitely, and it's going to make you think twice the next time you have the ball as well, and know he's know he's in the in the neighbourhood. Um, yeah, that's definitely it. So, so the England were back to sixteen points, but then we came, we had Mr. Haskell um, doing something a bit silly. Um, yeah. He it was it was one of those things where you're like you're looking at him like was your brain engaged in that moment? <laughs> he it, what are you thinking? Not he, what were you thinking? Just were you thinking? It's like he's it's like he he pulled his the top half of him pulled out of the tackle, but the bottom half of him said, "No, hang on, I'm getting this guy down." You know, it was like it was sort of a yeah. conflict, and uh, he just completely took police on out, and it was a yellow card. All day long. Yes. I mean, there's no 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 doubts about that. And of course, then we're thinking, oh, this is brilliant. You know, I mean, France and the way France were playing, they were taking advantage of, um, uh, you know, they were already able to take advantage of transition and space and whatever. So with this extra man, you think, well, this is. I mean, even if they don't end up winning, this 26 point margin surely surely isn't going to happen. You know. Um, but yeah. th that was on 56 minutes, and sure enough, like they did, they did use some space. They were throwing it around their own 22, and somehow Nagatasi found a sliver of space, got all the way into the English half, and uh, offloads uh, of all people, Debati, uh, who, yeah, you're, you're who looking fell going, over the line. Why is there a prop there? Yeah. Where's your fullback or a center? Yeah, that's what's a prop doing standing there. Reminds right. me, reminds me of a Mike Ross try. I don't know if you remember. I think it was in the Amwin quarterfinal and Wasps, um, where uh, it went, it went from one end of the pitch to the other, and he was the one at the end to follow over the line with the try. It's like Jesus, fair play to him for making a, making yeah. it all the way up the pitch. You know, try brings it up to forty-one points to thirty. Yeah, 
and you know that's only 11 points and 20 minutes to go and they still had the extra man so you're thinking like you yeah. know um even even without without a try you know if they can just keep them scoreless for the rest of this 10 minute period that's that but they they couldn't manage that england had were you know were still still pushing they still weren't giving up um they had a they had a line out in the french 22 and it was a sloppy throw but they were saved by the french uh, it was numbers the, the, yeah. the Nigel called numbers because they, they had an extra man the, the line throw was brutal yeah um, it, it looks like something I'd put into a line out <laughs> and um, and only for an extra Frenchman who's stepped in from the scrum half position or something I don't know what happened but they have an extra man and Nigel calls the free kick which he's entitled to do and he's right to do um, but suddenly you've got a few phases, then an advantage for a Frenchman being offside that they didn't need because Billy Bonapolo just takes it and slams over. Yeah, and, and uh, there, there, there was a question mark over him, his put down, whatever. But at this stage, uh, Brian Moore was in full England fan mode. He was like, no, he never dropped that. He never dropped that. You know, it was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. But um, so that was, the, that was the margin now with the easy conversion. It was up to 18 now. So we're starting to get a bit shaky. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, the French came right back. Down the other end, there was a penalty. Um, there was a couple of penalties, and next thing they have a, a line out in their 22, and this was straightforward. Line out, Maul, and then Kaiser's over. Line for out, Maul, drive over. 48 points to 35, and the, as Irish people were breathing again, it's like, ah, 13 points. Good. This is much better. Sure, we're grand. Um, that was the 11th try of the game at that stage. Yeah. And it was just uh, still ten minutes to go. <laughs> oh, it was just crazy. And of course, you know, we, we were already thinking, well, this is the craziest match we've ever seen. Like, what else? What else could happen now? You know. And um, right after that try, that's when well, the Haskell Sinbin was over, but they brought on Tom Wood for him, and um, they just they they. I mean, again, they just kept on plugging away. You know, they um, they made some substitutions. Eventually, you have a knock on at midfield uh, that becomes a penalty. Next thing, you know, England have a line out at the. It, in, at the 22, Joseph crashes into the 22, they get a scrum, and then by this stage 12 trees is on, and just a great combination there's the scrum, then 12 trees, out to Ford out to Noel, boom, another try 53-35, and they, they made so quick off the back of that scrum yeah, like there was, you know it, feed, the feed was in, and I'd say within four and a half, maybe five seconds Noel is getting over the line or at least that's what it felt like, it, it just happened so fast And uh, and the, the I remember I remember specifically at the time thinking like you know we've all got our calculators and slide rules out and whatever trying to work out the, the points difference and this this kick this particular kick from George Ford was so important because if he misses yeah. it it's an 18 point so they need eight points in the last five minutes but he nails it from from relatively it wasn't an easy one um, considering the circumstances but that put them 20 points ahead. Uh, they need 26 so they need one one more converted try every possibility they could have gotten it and um it was just set up for the for the you know probably the squeakiest bum finished of all of all, of all time pretty much as far as, yeah. as far as ireland fans are concerned anyway 
especially when we've no control over us. There's nothing we can do. We're yeah. just sitting where not only are we, the fans, feel helpless, but the players, the Irish squad, are watching this on the telly as well. There's nothing they can do. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, what, what what's going to happen here? Like, what, this can't be. We, we've got one hand on the trophy here. It can't be. It can't be taken away from us, surely. Um, and yet, as you say, six points in it. Still at that stage, I think seven or eight minutes. No, sorry, about four and a half minutes to go. And, and the way tries were going in. You know that that was twelve tries in seventy-five minutes, and you're going, yeah, there's there's room for another one. <laughs> and uh, and the thing is, is that feature of this match is that you know they need a twenty-six point margin going into it, and every time something happened, something would happen like, oh well, they could definitely get it. Then something else would happen like, oh well, there's no way they're getting it. It was going back and forth and back yeah. and forth, and even within this five minutes, you had Rory Cockett do um, do his Ben Youngs impression by doing a dummy and surging up into the English English half. And he gets all the way to the 22. And of course, we're thinking, well, that's it. Just keep the ball yeah. down here, lads, and that's it. But the England defense, once they got a chance to settle, they weren't giving up. And they they, they were hitting them and hitting them. And uh, they forced a um, they forced a penalty. And um, they, a massive punt from, from Ford puts them into the French half. And there's several more phases. And um, Ch Cipriani is on it. This was an interesting move, I thought. Uh, they, 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 yeah, he, he went to fullback. He went to fullback. Mike Brown went out to the wing. This was probably a set move because, you know, I'd say Lancaster, England coach, would have been thinking, okay, we're going to need these points. We're going to need... He, he probably had this last 10 minutes of the game mapped out as to how he was going to use the subs. And it was an interesting move, but I think I'd say it was probably planned. Cipriani was bundled into touch at, at the touchline. And you think, well, that's it. You know what I mean? The lineout's going to take a minute. But uh, no, Mr. Johan no Uche. Yeah, well, what, uh, he picks up the ball, throws it in. So they're, okay, okay, we're playing again. And and it then, wasn't the first quick take that day. Like it was, There'd been a few, and a few yeah. that had led to really positive outcomes. But they're not going... You, you could make everybody's life a whole lot easier by just, just put the ball on the floor there and let the big boys do their job. Absolutely. <laughs> Takes it quickly and then France end up winning a scrum. But at the, at that scrum, the England, the England pack just, just took over, won a penalty. Next thing, it's it's a six, uh, the, 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 there's a line out six meters from the line. Uh, so it's 79 minutes, short line out for England. It's like, what is going on? And what, what happened next? Um, Okay, they won the lineup. They had like they put about I think there was fifteen, maybe twenty Englishmen in that mall. Uh, they, oh, they were, they were piling that. in. There's a moment where you see Robshaw calling in the backs. Yeah, to join us. They, they probably would have got a few spectators as well if they could have could have managed it. And <laughs> uh, and as this mall is happening, that's when the clock actually goes red. And in in the midst of it, Nigel Owens, which he had just made a call for French going off at the feet, going off their feet at the attacking breakdown just moments before. So. Because he saw England doing it as well, he called the penalty, and it was a, it was so the clock was red. The there was there was a penalty to France, and um, they were able to take it. You know, we're thinking, well, that's it, the game's over. France have got nothing in it. All they have to do is put it in the corner. Exactly. And it's all over. Exactly. And we're brand. And but the thing about this now, the commentators that I watched, I think it was Eddie Butler, was it? It was Eddie Butler and um, and Brian Moore doing the commentary. But the problem is, so. because because they're doing their thing for for BBC or whoever it was, um, I don't think it really did justice to uh, to, to, to the way the match um, looked, the proper commentary from an Irish fan would be. So I think you might remember this little clip I'm going to play. And I think this pretty much, when Johan Uge went to take that and actually play 
play on and passed to Antonio um, to continue the play on his own try line when they're already 20 points down. They're never going to win. And there's a chance that England could still actually um, snatch this game from Ireland. Uh, this is this is the reaction they got. Time up! Time up! Yes! Yeah! Yeah! Beauty night! You little... What the fuck are you doing, France? France! Kick it dead! I think that says it all, doesn't it? It's, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's it's exactly how I felt. <laughs> Put into beautiful, um, not quite safe for work, language. It, it was brilliant. Because I, I watched, like, the, the penalty happens. You've got Rory Cockett standing there, celebrating like a man who's just won the championship because he knows that winning that penalty has denied England. And then suddenly, everybody's playing again. And you're just looking going, what? What, what are you doing? What, what, why, why? And as I say, that, that clip, it, it just, it's much better worded than I ever could. It's perfectly <laughs> worded for how I felt at the time. We would have been saying, we would have been that annoyed, even if it was like towards the halfway line. I mean, I mean, yeah. it wasn't even the fact that it was on, on his own try line. It was just, it was just like, the, the game's over, lads. I mean, I, I, I get the French pride and all that kind of stuff, and you don't want to, you want to see if you have another try here. from there. Exactly. And uh, it's just, it, if that had ended up losing, if they'd end up losing it because of that, like, there, there would have been, uh, oh, I don't know what you could do, but it just it would have been driven demented. But it turned out that um, they ran a few phases and um, th then Cockett just saw sense, got the ball and just booted it out. And that was it. The match was over. And it was just, it was just an incredible, uh, incredible finish. Um, the thing that got me most about all of this was the reaction afterwards and the, the in the media especially obviously the English media where it was just like nothing was about oh congratulations Ireland the uh, 2015 champions the narrative was okay how are we going to fix this what went wrong and uh, you know what I mean it's like oh yeah. you know this is no this is no way to win a championship and it was ironically because this was the first year that that season was the first year of the new look um, Champions Cup yep and uh, which again um, Irish teams had done well and so they said well that can't that can't happen we got to fix this and uh, and the, the the way this championship panned out it turned out I think that was one of the reasons we ended up having bonus points in the Six Nations when the England media are looking at it and they're all given out and there's oh it's terrible and how can it be allowed just look at that game in isolation England had 599 metres made for 22 defenders beaten and 7 tries like, yeah. What, what more did they want? I, I don't know what anyone could have asked more. And I'm not the typical person to defend any English rugby team. But in this case, you can't go looking for heads in a situation like that. You can't say, ah, oh, they could have done. They couldn't. They could not have done more than they did. And it all came down to just margins. How much did you do in previous games? How much were you held out against? 
whatever team that held you out that little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, I was always a, uh, I was always kind of in favor of the bonus point um, for the Six Nations. But the point is, is that when whatever system you have, that's the one you have for that tournament. And they all knew it. And they, they, when you're pushing this bonus point narrative, which which they were at the time, it's like saying, well, you see, if they, you see, if you work it out, if they had the bonus point, England would have actually be champions. Said, no, they wouldn't because they everyone would. would have played their yeah. matches differently. You know, it's like, why are you wasting column inches on that absolute rot? Because that's 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 not the way it's happening at all. Uh, no, as it's, my uh, father it's, always say, been, it's always been the way over the years. <laughs> as my father used to say, if my granny had wheels, she'd have been a proper wagon no point no point worrying about the it <laughs> that's not what it is you play what's in front of you in the same way you play exactly in, in any game you play you play the ref in front of you and you can you'll see people complaining oh the ref this and the ref that sometimes it's just one team plays the ref better not even that they played the game better or played the other team better you played the ref and, and that's it you've got to play all the situations that are in front of you whether that's the scoring system the tournament rules whatever it is you play what you can play so that so that was that so that was an amazing uh, that was an amazing championship mm -hmm. that year and just an, uh, just the, the great great way to finish you know that last finish day that and, 27 uh, tries on the day and 221 points scored between the six teams and i think it, it was just a great advertisement for what the six nations was and Definitely, and as for us as Leinster fans, that was the that particular period uh, was the depths, the, the 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 deepest, most entrenched depths of the Matt O'Connor era. That particular oh, wow. Six Nations, Sorry, my, my, my whole body uh, where we lost to the Dragons, and <laughs> I know, I know. So we need, so it was a badly needed uh, lift yeah. for us. I mean, we 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 were in the we were in the court. We were the only Irish team in the quarterfinals of the mm -hmm. uh, of the Champions Cup that year. But the defeat to the Dragons uh, carried on for the next three four matches like whatever we did in those matches it was like yeah but you still lost to the dragons at the rds that 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 that, that stretched on pretty much to the rest of the season that day and um so we so we were in badly in need of a lift and that was that was a great way to yeah. do it you know so that was a that was an amazing that was an, definitely an amazing championship well listen um yeah thanks that that, that was a that was a great old chat thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, talking about that i'm enjoying all these if you we'll, we'll add a link in the program notes if you haven't seen um uh, this particular game again since then uh, there's, it's up on YouTube so I'll put a link in the program notes for you um, well thanks a million Connor for coming on uh, there's, we really enjoyed that um, we'll, we'll probably do a few more down the line and um, and uh, best, of, best of luck to you and yours th throughout the rest of this um, this, this crazy thanks spell we're going thanks through thanks for sticking with us right to the end if you have any thoughts yourself on this or any other match, feel free to leave them in all the usual places. I'd like to especially thank a listener for requesting I lower the volume levels of the background music. I genuinely appreciate all constructive observations since, as you can probably tell, I'm learning this as I go along. Be sure and keep an eye on the podcast feed, and we'll be back with more Retro Rugby chat soon. And as always, you'll find all our latest content at harpandrugby.net. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slán. <laughs>